This episode is a sermon by Reverend Nikki Passante based on the visit of the wise men to the baby Jesus. In the sermon, she talks about the importance of following your dreams and how listening for God's voice can change your life. Happy New Year, everyone. This is a great time and a great excuse to reflect and move forward. A time where we till the ground of our memories from the past year and either we plant the seeds to begin again or we settle with the fact that this year is definitely going to be a compost year or we move to another field where the potential is more fertile. It's on this day I have a habit of reminding friends that the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason. The new year is a signal to break with business as usual Time to clean out, move on, try again. I experienced this myself keenly on Thursday when I read Marvin's notice on Realm about how I was preaching on the Holy Family's exodus into Egypt, and I realized in that moment that the sermon I prepared was not on that scripture. (laughs) That was on me. (laughs) There it is. A change in plans. Time to break with business as usual. Time to clean out, move on, try again. That's the message. You know, the narrative of Jesus' early life in Matthew's gospel is very different from Luke's. In fact, each gospel tells Jesus' birth a little bit differently, if they even tell it at all. For instance, John and Mark, those two gospels, they don't even have a birth narrative. In John... The birth of Christ happens through the incarnation of the Word and with the creation of the cosmos. In Mark, we just meet Jesus as a grown man out causing trouble. In Luke, we have the shepherds and the angels and the holy family. And this scene, just these first three chapters, is the substance of musicals. Midway through only the second chapter of Luke, we're already on the third song. After having the pleasure of hearing Mary's Magnificat, Zechariah's Benedictus, and when Jesus is presented in the temple, Simeon offers up the Nunc Dimittis. It's tremendous. Matthew's rendering of the Christmas story, worthy of masterpiece theater, filled with sorcerers, dreams, angelic creatures, in the midst of a dynasty of familial power with a political tyrant at the helm, Jesus is born. And the lead-in to today's story takes place in the dark windswept deserts and sand dunes on the back of camels as men from the east are in search of a foretold child. Because I prepared this sermon on the Magi, you're going to get a little. (laughs) Today's story is nothing short of a textual masterpiece. The veneration of the Magi in the New Testament is unparalleled in any first century writing. Men on a great quest seeking a child foretold, a child that is a phenomenon of the stars. We imagine them clothed in lavish robes and perhaps impressive turbans. They're given the names Melchior, king of Persia, Gaspar, king of India, and Balthazar, king of Arabia. Others say they were descendants of Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. These men were not kings, but magi. A Greek word used to designate a priestly class of Persian or Babylonian experts in the occult. 
utilizing mediums such as astrology and interpretation of dreams. They were thought of as magicians and sorcerers following the star, what is called the Fravashi. The star is the Fravashi, the counterpart of a great person. Today's stage is set in this empire when innocents from the east, these innocents naively asking Herod where the newborn king is. What? What? Just appreciate for a minute the terror that is King Herod. Another claim to the throne? The scripture says that Herod was frightened. One translation says Herod trembled, and that all Jerusalem trembled with him. Now, Jerusalem had good reason to tremble whenever Herod trembled, because it meant that the people were in for a shaking. Caesar Augustus said only partly in jest that it is better to be Herod's pig than his son. A master in the art of assassination, he annihilated the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of the Jews, further killing 300 court officers, then murdered his wife, mother-in-law, eldest son, and two other sons in his drive to keep the crown. little fun history for you. So when the Magi comes searching for a child destined for his throne, Herod comes to a permanent solution, sending his militia to Bethlehem and murdering all the male babies up to two years of age. Change in plans. Matthew's Gospel doesn't give us the babe lying sweetly in the manger with adoring shepherds and singing angels. Matthew doesn't spend time sentimentalizing the scene. Instead, we get the picture of a family on the run. Jesus is a baby with a hounded early history, forces seeking his life before he was born. Now his family displaced, suffering persecution and exile simply because Jesus comes into the world. Jesus is mainly a refugee child, a fugitive, a most wanted person. I don't need to draw any modern-day parallels. They do not have the opportunity to return home. They completely relocate in Nazareth. So despite Jesus' supernatural conception, note that the infant is not rescued by miracle but by running. God's power does not come through miracle and might, but through Joseph listening to his dreams. Did you hear that? I'll say it again. Dreams. Let's talk about dreams for a minute. Statistics show or say, and please don't check me on this, it is New Year's Day. Statistics show that we only use 10% of our brain capacity. Can you imagine? 10%, that's 90% of our brain capacity that we're not really tapping into. Researchers, psychologists would call this our psyche, but the reality is it is our subconscious and it dictates our lives. And how often do we dismiss the latent side of our experience, our oblique angles, right? All those things in our peripheral vision are dreams we just dismiss. That book we want to write, a trip we want to take, 
the reconciliation we desire, the situation we'd like resolved. What are your dreams, church? What are they? Where are they? Are we push them aside? Perhaps for when they're convenient? Did you know that Jewish people have long utilized dreams in their spiritual experience? Scripture is not only full of it, in a large sense, our world is created by dreams. This really came home for me when Marco and I took a trip to Italy to visit his parents. Some of you may have learned these things in school. I did not, but as we were standing in St. Mark's Square in Venice, perhaps some of you have been there, I looked up, and there's this huge lion on the tower with all the zodiac symbols around it. And I just thought, well, that's an odd thing, isn't it? And as a side note, did you know that every gospel has an animal? Subscribe to it. For the Gospel of Mark, it's the lion. That's St. Mark's lion in the square. But I thought it was odd to have all the zodiac symbols around it. Marcus said, not really. The Jewish people organized much thought in teaching around the stars, the seasons, light, and darkness. There is a mystical peace to our spiritual puzzle. There is a mystical peace to our life puzzle. It is this peace that is calling to us. The passage describes how Joseph, warned by an angel in a dream, or nightmare, as it were, flees with the infant Jesus and his mother away from the murderous Herod to the safety of Egypt. How ironic, he is exiled to Egypt, not away from. And in fact, Joseph receives a divine command from an angel three different times in this brief story. It's a huge experience to compress down into just a few verses of scripture. A divine command from an angel three different times in the story, in his dreams, and three times, what does Joseph do? He does what the dream commands. When was the last time God spoke to you in your dreams? And when was the last time you listened? What's funny is that God isn't even mentioned in this story. God is the active source of this phenomenon, but God isn't actually present in the passage. And so my question is, what is this thing that drives them? Whether it was Joseph or whether it was the wise men, What is this thing that pricks their conscience so severely that they must listen to their dream? What compels them? I don't know. But I will tell you, in utter humility, I have only heard that voice twice. And the first time, I think I was 25. And I'm an adopted child, and I met my biological family. And when I met them, I had discovered that my mother had died at the age of 43 from alcoholism. Now, I heard a very clear voice say to me quite clearly, Nikki, you can keep living your life this way, and this is what's going to happen. Or you can make a different choice. And I heard that voice, and I ignored it for 10 more years. Denial was a beautiful thing. And then one day I 
heard the voice again. Marco and I are living in Oregon. We have this beautiful three-story townhome. Our second, our main living floor had a balcony that looked over the parking lot. And for those who don't know, I'm fairly open about it. You know, I'm an alcoholic in recovery. I had my alcoholism scheduled perfectly. I would go to work. I would come home. I would drink. My husband's a chef. I would pass out, and I would wake up. And he never knew. Right. (laughs) One day I heard a voice tell me that one day when my husband came home, he was going to find me dead because I had fallen off a balcony. And it wasn't long after that, as the Irish like to say, I stopped suffering from the thirst. Epiphany means a revealing. The definition of epiphany is a manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. The more we listen to the voice, the further we will be equipped to follow it. And the problem is you cannot settle for mediocrity and peace when you have heard the voice. Once you have heard the message once, once you have dreamed the dream, there is no rest. That's what I believe the scripture means when it says you cannot put your hand to the plow and turn back. Or in AA, we like to say you cannot go out and drink successfully with a belly full of AA. You just know too much. We don't listen to our dreams for any number of reasons. One, it might require something from us. Two, it's irrational to listen to our dreams. Friends, it's irrational not to listen to our dreams. We can't afford them. We don't have time for them. It's scary. It's scary. But as the Apostle Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because at work right now in you, this thing that is calling you, this thing that compels you to listen, at work right now in you, that is your salvation, the revealing of your true self. Christ is calling you to remember who you were before the world told you. What all these characters have in common, with the exception of Herod, is that they are not overcome by fear. They experience fearful things and they press forward anyway. Church, both individually in our personal lives and collectively in our church life together, we've got to get past the fear. There's an entire set of people that are allergic to this world not willing to submit to Herod's, dancing to the beat of a different drum, following a star, listening to dreams. What a special place to be on Christmas as we're reminded of just being in the quiet with God and the gift. And it's here that Thomas Merton writes, Into this world, this demented inn in which there is absolutely no room for him at all, Christ comes uninvited. Change of plans. What will the world miss out on if you don't listen to your dreams? What will the world miss out on if you don't listen to your dreams?
what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor human heart conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.